BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. This is Jeff Pizzuti from Illusion. You're listening to Talking Metal with Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, and joining us on the episode today, we have Jeff, who is from iIllusion. He's the guy behind the Dio Hologram. A great interview with Jeff, so stay tuned for that. And please welcome our co-host for this episode, Mr. Bill Wang. Wang, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Doing great. The Asian sensation is back on Talking Metal. Love it. What's up, brother? Uh, not much. Where, where, where are you today? Are you in Asia somewhere? I, yeah, I'm in Wang Towers in downtown San Francisco. Yes, sir. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's get things started with a little Talking Metal toast. I'm going to crack open my, uh, my, uh, uh, my cold one here. You drinking anything tonight, Wang? Yes, I am, Mark. Uh, I'm honored to do a Talking Metal Toast. I'm drinking Mission Street Heppenweizen. Yes, I am. And Talking Metal Toast. Love it. A long-distance dedication Talking Metal Toast here, San Francisco to New Jersey. Uh, I am drinking Evil Twin Brewery, which I think is out of Brooklyn, New York here, and uh, drinking some ale 
from the, for the, from them. I think they're a new newer brewery. Good stuff. Here we go for a sip of the night. Ah, it's a Tuesday night, Mr. Wang. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I do not drink on Sundays or Mondays ever. It's just uh, one of those crazy anal retentive things that I do. So every Tuesday, it's just uh, it's like falling into the the pool. You know, it's just so nice to have that first taste of uh, alcohol and I'm honored to do it with you here tonight you've been a long time member of the Talking Metal family and let's just give some of your online sites and social media stuff a plug before we get into the interview with with Jeff Pizzotti here where can people catch up with you online Mr. Wang I appreciate it well first and foremost uh, probably the the best thing is uh, and the thing that is everything really as uh, uh, kiss 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 metal and hard rock on facebook and if you just put in bill wang on facebook the guy with the little symbol my uh, uh symbol is h really i will add you to the group after that but yeah kiss 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 metal and hard rock yeah yeah nice very good stuff and the dio hologram hit at earlier this year and i i was really excited by this news now listen it's not it's not the real thing it's a hologram but it is a really great way to honor this man's music and he's got members of his actual band craig goldie uh, simon wright backing him up playing there with him with the hologram it's his actual vocal that you're hearing i think it's a great idea and I'm excited for what the future might hold, not only for the Dio hologram, but just for holograms in, in general. Did you have a chance to check out any of the, uh, the footage from Vakken with, with Dio earlier this year, Mr. Wang? Yeah, I did, and I had goosebumps, and I, I think it was fantastic. And I, I think that people have an issue with that, need to get a life. I think it's basically bringing him to life for future generations and generations that saw Dio live many, many, many times like I have. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, I heard an interview with him somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I thought that his heart was in the right place. And yeah, man, big time. I Big ups for him. And I was very pleased with it. And I'm really looking forward to the future. And like you said, with Dio's future and uh, other artists. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and I think you probably heard him on Eddie Trunk's podcast, which was a, a, one of his. Oh, other okay, yeah, all right, on. And yeah, matter of fact, now that you say that, yeah, yeah, that's where I heard it. <laughs> Absolutely cool. Let's yeah. get into this. This is "We Rock," a song that Craig Goldie and the Dio Disciples performed with the Dio hologram, with Dio's actual voice, uh, in Germany earlier this year. Again, this is "We Rock" off the Last in Line record, followed by my interview with Jeff from Illusion, Jeff Pizzuti from Illusion. Behind, I'll get 
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. I'm here in the TikTok Diner, sandwiched between Madison Square Garden and Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, two places I go to see a lot of shows, with Jeff Bazzuti. How are you, Jeff? What's going on, Mark? How you doing? Dude, how was uh, Lynch Mob last night? Lynch Mob is always good. You know, Oni and George brought it, and Sean and, and Jimmy they were great. Absolutely great. Sounded amazing. Cool. And... Do they do docking stuff, too, or is it just lynch mob stuff? They did two docking, well, three, if you include Mr. Scary. They did uh, Hunter, and they did Into the Fire. They both sounded awesome. Cool. And what about the docking reunion? Were you, uh, did, did you catch the, sh- the one and only U.S. show? Probably not. No. No, I would have loved to have gone, too, but the uh, I, I watched the you know some of the footage they had on YouTube from Japan, and, you know, I thought it sounded great. I I know that they would be very successful if they did a U.S. tour, but see what happens. Right on. I want to talk to you about your, your company and what, you, what you're up to with all this hologram technology. Illusion. Am I I'm pronouncing that right? Yeah, Illusion. Um, I first heard you on Eddie's podcast, Eddie Trunk's podcast, and I, was, I found your interview so much more fascinating than, like, you know, the guy from Faster Pussycat or something. <laughs> it, was, it was just, it was, it was a, a really, for Eddie's podcast, it was a breath of fresh air, you talking about something a little different, about this amazing technology. And again, this is hologram technology, which has been around for a little while, but for the metal community, it's kind of become more of a thing since the debut of the Dio hologram, which you're behind, and I want to get into that. But before we talk about the Dio hologram and all other holograms you might be working on, let's talk about the history of, of holograms and, and how you got involved with this technology. Sure. So I like, you know, just like I mentioned on Ed, you know, I saw Tupac in 2012, and um, I was actually blown away being a music fan and thinking about what could be done. Um, I had heard, of, heard about it, but I didn't realize how, how far it had come. And after seeing that and seeing it in a live environment, I actually started to get my, my mind going about what we could use it for from the, the artists that I love and the artists that I know that a big community loves, whether it's the rock or hard rock or, you know, all genres, but especially the rock and hard rock world. And, um, you know, for, for a couple of years worth of research and doing things together is really where I started to put the pieces together and getting the right people involved. But I thought if done right with the right people behind it, we could make something really special Hence, where we ended up doing Ronnie to start. Okay, so this was a couple years in the making you're talking about. So you got, you got the idea in your mind, and, and what, what are the first steps? Like, who do you, I mean, I wouldn't even know who to call up and, and talk to about it. I mean, how, how, how do you research this? How do you find out who the hologram experts are? So it's so funny. I went to school with a guy named Aaron Vest, and uh, we went to the University of Central Florida, and he's in Hollywood. He does uh, visual effects for a living. And um, he was one of my first phone calls post, you know, having the idea because I wanted to validate not only how it was done, but also could it be done for the way I see it, the way I envisioned, not what had been done prior, but how we can take it to the next level. And um, that's where the the conversation started, and he actually started to, to... kind of direct me in the right to talk to the right people and one of those people beside the the on the artist side was a guy named Scott Ross and Scott who was the CEO of Digital Domain um, who's also partners with James Cameron and they had done Titanic and Terminator and T2 he put me in touch with him but he happened to be a huge music lover and Scott was the one who's not only a friend now but also a mentor and a business partner um, to try and take it to the next level 
and that's where we started moving. Okay, so we, we flash forward, you, you, you get involved with Wendy Dio and creating the Ronnie Dio hologram. Tell us a little bit about the, the debut of that, really the one and only per- performance that it's, it, that it's he's yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you, some, some, before we, do, you know, we get to the actual performance, we'll talk about the making of it, which I think is important. So Scott actually got me in touch with a guy named Chad Finnerty. Chad owns a company called Digital Frontier. They were actually partners with Illusion now. But at the time, he was a, you know, another guy who we were actually getting in contact with. We were kind of put together the team that way, like assembling the pieces. Um, and Chad and his wife, Jamie, actually were, were huge believers in what we were doing. And they could see the, they could see the vision, and that's why they, they were so excited to be involved in the project. Chad did a lot of the work on the Dio stuff. He actually created the Dio, you know, like, you know, with me and Wendy being involved. But, um, you know, step by step to actually create Ryan James Dio the way we think the fans would love to see him. And obviously Wendy would love to see him as well. Can, can I interrupt you for yeah. one minute? Now, you say create. Now, when I first saw this on Blabbermouth and I, I watched it on YouTube, I was with my wife and we were talking about it. And, I, and she was like, well, how do they do that? And I said, well, they probably take some old footage and they just... Uh, blow it up into a hologram and it's uh, actual performance that he did later I found out that's not the case this this which to me this is the mind-blowing part of this this hologram stuff is created from scratch it's a hundred percent I mean it's it's a, a labor of love it's a lot <laughs> it's a very labor-intensive project but the thing was especially with with Ronnie and us you know it being our first one from this from this aspect me being a Dio fan and Wendy obviously being his you know, his wife and manager for a long time. We had, you know, she had the the final say and everything, but the thing was we had the image of how we wanted to create and we knew we had to be, you know, from a fan's perspective, it had to look, feel just like Ronnie was on stage. And that's what I thought we accomplished. And we, we did a great job. And, and it's exciting for me because seeing it and seeing it from the pit where I was watching it and being next to Wendy and Todd Singerman and all watching it together, it was exciting because it actually allowed us to really, you know, see the emotion, but also hear the emotion behind us as the crowd was, you know, erupting when they saw him appear on stage again. It was incredible. And tell us again where the performance actually took place. Germany, right? Yes, it was at the Wacken Music Festival in Germany. It was uh, the first week in August. I don't remember the exact date. I want to say 7th, maybe 8th, but it's, you know, at this point, it's like, (laughs) it seems like it was a year ago, but it was great. It was actually really, really successful. I thought that what we tried to accomplish, we did. I thought the, um, the fans were very receptive. I thought that you know, that actually is where we set the bar. We're only going to blow it away, and we'll talk about the future stuff, but where we're, gonna, where we're heading with, the, new, with the, the tour and stuff is going to be amazing. And when you, again, you're designing this, this, this Dio hologram from scratch, basically. This isn't pre-existing footage. So everything as far as his outfit goes, his look, were you basing it on a certain era? Did you, you have discussions, well, we're going to do the 83 Dio or we're going to do the 93 Dio or 2003 Dio? What, what was the overall consensus as, as to what Dio is going to, going to be presented here? For that performance, we tried to morph a lot of different eras. We tried to morph basically you know, the best of Ronnie in the, in the look and the feel. So it wasn't like he, you know, he was wearing like the '83 Holy Diver outfit or the '85 Sacred Heart tour, you know, outfit. We kind of morphed the outfits, we morphed the look, and you know, for the tour, we're gonna do something different. I mean, for the shows that's gonna be, you know, that we're creating now, it's gonna have a different look. He's gonna have different, you know, different looks throughout the show, and I think that, you know, for that show, we wanted to kind of bring 
what we thought was the epitome of Ronnie at that, you know, at whatever point of his career it was. Right. I think he was like probably shot for about 88. Dream Evil era is probably okay. where we actually had to look. But, you know, I think that, you know, this next tour, we're probably going to be somewhere later than that um, for, cer- for certain songs, maybe earlier than that for other wow. songs. So, okay. yeah. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So he could actually have different looks and different songs. Exactly. and Yeah, to represent different points in his career. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So with Wendy, how, how involved was she with the actual creation of this thing? Was she a part of the creative team, or were you kind of just uh, bringing her a finished product? Wendy was so involved. Wendy's involved in every step. Um, you know, her and I were, you know, we became... You know, like you know, when you do partners, you actually become you know one and the same. Like you're all you're all for the same goal. So we actually did it every step together. You know, from from the basically from the rehearsals. You know, from what we wanted to do, from this to that, everything she was involved with, with the band, without the band, from the creation of the Ronnie, every step, she was there. And you know, she'd always be there, and whether it was on the phone or you know, I was always out in L.A. So you know going to LA you know showing her some of the finished product emailing every step and like I said you couldn't ask for anything more from Wendy she's amazing and I think that's really what you know what, what we became you know when we became partners like that it actually helped me because you know I have a vision she had a vision and together we actually created what I thought was a it was a pretty incredible uh, product that I think that that I know I'm very proud of I know she's proud of and I know it's only gonna get better You've hinted uh, here that there could be a potential tour or more shows on the way. When might we expect that, and how is that all going to happen? Like with the band, and like what what can we expect? So, with related to the tour, I mean, I'm not ready to announce anything yet, but we'll probably be announcing. I would say pro- within the next two months or so, we'll probably have some 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 you know future plans. Uh, we are in production for the show for this tour itself, and I can tell you it's going to be over the top, mind blowing experience. Um, you know, we're going to have both a live, you know, live singers with Ripper Owens and Odie Logan as part of the show, as well as Ronnie appearing throughout the show in different parts, some duet segments. It's going to be, it's going to be mind blowing from a fan's perspective. The other part that I want to mention about the show, which is the first time it's ever be happening is we're going to bring, you know, we're going to bring alive some of the effects, uh, using the technology. So in other words, bring album covers to life bringing uh, things that have been known to Ronnie to life on stage so it's like as you're being experiencing a brand new visual that you've never seen from a live perspective so it's going to be from a visual perspective it's going to be mind blowing and to be able to see Ronnie's you know here and see Ronnie again it's going to make this whole thing come together in a, in a way that from a fan it's going to be like you'll walk out and say holy crap I can't believe what I just saw and again you're not going to reveal too much about the tour but I'm assuming it would be the, the Dio Disciples involved Correct. It's going to be the, you know, Ronnie's band for the last 20 years, which are the Disciples now, which is Scott Warren, Craig Goldie, Simon Wright, Bjorn, who's the, the newer, Bjorn England, who's the bass player. Um, and, you know, we're going to have Ronnie featuring, Ronnie will be involved in each show, probably about six to seven songs a night that he will be singing on, um, you know, which you can expect. A couple of the ones we know what he's going to be doing is, you know, We Rock, Holy Diver, um, and Rainbow in the Dark. And the other ones I'm going to keep... You know, keep it kind of to myself because I don't want to spoil the surprises. Right. Well, I, I have this <laughs> fantasy uh, that I'll I'll just throw out at you, and you can not comment or comment. Yeah. But 
but uh, I spoke with Craig Goldie on Talking Metal less than a year ago, and he told me that there is at least one unfinished Dio song that he thought was, was he was raving about that is really good, and I think it would be amazing if you could get that song and debut it and have Ronnie play that song, uh, you know, in the hologram form. Uh, the, there's always that possibility. I will never, I'll never commit to anything, but I will tell you, there's always a possibility. And with what we can do and versus what we have done, it's just the beginning for the fans. So I don't want them to think that what they saw is the best. I can honestly tell you the best is going to be so far above what they've seen already, you know, on YouTube. We're going to blow people's minds. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting excited just talking to you about this, but um, you mentioned YouTube. Is is the the YouTube experience just like I mean we had Jeff Tate on recently and he was like you can't watch for a, a regular performance you can't watch a YouTube video and think that that's how it felt when you were in the room and I'm assuming even though I thought personally the hologram came across pretty good on the videos that I saw on YouTube I'm assuming that the live thing is just a totally different experience and that's exactly it. You know, that's what we're about. Because, you know, just like with anything, when you watch a DV or a Blu-ray or anything of your favorite band, no matter who it is, and even if you have a great sound system, it still does not replace going to the live show. It doesn't replace the minute you hear the guy plug the amp, you know, the guitar into the amp or sound checks or anything. There's something about that experience that's really important. That's what our whole business is built on because we don't want people to ever lose that because I think it's like we don't want it to become the forgotten art. We want, it, we want people to understand that that experience is so important and it's what I built my whole model on the fact that when you sit in your seat you seat and the lights are still up and when the lights go down the minute that smoke starts to rise <laughs> the lights start to flash you know you're in for a real treat and that's what it is and that's exactly it YouTube does not do it any justice at all now the technology behind it we're talking about Ronnie James Dio a vocalist but what about other musicians I mean a guy like Lemmy played bass uh, you know, we have in addition to singing John Bonham, you know, Jason Bonham does this Led Zeppelin tribute where screens come up and he does a drum solo with his dad. I'm, is the technology there where a hologram could could play drums, a hologram could play bass or guitar? Yeah, we can do anything. So we've you know, we have a ton of ideas. You can imagine the artists we've already talked to. Um, but, yeah, we, we can go right down the list of who we want to you know, quote-unquote bring back or who we want to work with. Um, you know, the one important thing to remember, though, is we want to make sure that we don't think it's only about deceased artists because what we can actually do is we can take artists, you know, whoever they are, the most important artists that are currently playing right now, and capture them in certain elements where we can create these what I call album shows or live shows so we can get artists to record their favorite albums and do stuff live in front of an audience. And we can translate that into all these different theaters. So if they're not on tour, if they're you know, taking a break or they're doing this, we can actually just go see, hey, let's go see artist A, you know, the 20 bucks to go see them perform this album in its entirety. I mean, think about it. Think about you know, Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. You know, they haven't done those full albums except for Priest at Bridge Steel, but Maiden do a number of the beasts. Or, you know, you know, it would be amazing yeah. to see them do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap and you have the effects and you have this and you sit there you look like they're on stage they have the live the audio right. you got the lights and it's in a small intimate theater it'd be great right <laughs> and and one quick uh question about the the which i think is probably self-explanatory but the 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 music of this actually um you're obviously getting isolated tracks right so so 
for a drummer, you would need isolated drum tracks from some performance somewhere, right? Yeah, we would actually have to, I mean, we could always use the engineer to isolate it for us, but yeah, we would need an isolated track of whatever kind of was, whatever the artist was. Um, the good thing is, over the last 20 years especially, most of these artists um, do record a lot of the shows, whether they're going to use them or not. They do professionally record them just because they like to have them. So that happens quite often. So there's always that the, the, the track out there, just like with Ronnie. Ronnie was a perfectionist when it comes to these things. He recorded he recorded so many shows, didn't use half of this half, you know, an eighth of his stuff that they actually did. But, you know, he was such a perfectionist, he wanted to hear it for himself. So we have all these, you know, mastered audio vocals and it's incredible. And are you mixing and matching stuff? Or are you taking like songs in their entirety or songs in their entirety, right. um, but we are mixing and matching errors. So when you see a show you know, it could be a 91 show that you're actually going to hear from a vocal. You could hear a, you know, 2000 show. You could hear an 85 show. The vocal is going to change. And it's going to depend on what feel we want for that song. Right. So if it's a Rainbow Arrow song, maybe we go for an older feel. If it's a, it, it's just going to depend on the, what we want to choose from. So that's what makes it really cool. Right on. Now, I saw this amazing technology that was debuted, I think, a week or two ago. I just wanted to ask you if you knew about it. Adobe Project Voco. Have you heard about this? It's, it's voice replication. So, and it's pretty incredible. And I thought with what you're doing, it, it, it could be helpful because you can take somebody's line and it captures the sound of their voice, the way they pronounce the words, and it replicates it and can make somebody say something they may have not actually said. Have, maybe you're already on to this. I don't know. I have heard about it. I mean, I, I, I would see your point, too. And I think that that's, that can be very cool if you're going to try and, like you said, you know, make... Like, obviously, Ronnie wouldn't say, you know, say he never played Buffalo. He said, right. you know, welcome to Buffalo. He, right. did, he had, but I'm just yeah. saying. So I think it's a, it would be cool to do something like that. Um, it's always an option. You never know. Um, we're always trying to keep the technology, you know, being the forefront of everything. So we always never say no to options like that. So we'll see. And we've spoken a lot about Ronnie James Dio. Are there other, I'm sure you probably can't reveal, but are there other artists you're in, in let's say, serious talks with at this point? Yeah, so the other artists we're in serious talks with are all what I call living artists. So just want to give you it. So it's um, really yeah. So it's uh, just want to give you an idea. So the model is both, um, and we're we're hoping to make those announcements hopefully by the beginning of next year, maybe maybe later this year, but I I would assume probably the beginning of next year to make it official. Living artists. So somebody would maybe give a concert and then have a younger version of themselves come out or something like that similar to that yeah so it's more of that album show concept that i gave you before something like that right. um you know it's, a, it's an intriguing thing for artists because the one thing that i found and you can you know you know this too is that a lot of the artists that have been doing this for a long time can't play as you know don't want to play as many shows as they did or have you know just to go on the road every year to do 60 shows is just becoming, you know, it's a, it's a bit tiresome. It's, right. a, it's, it's a labor-intensive project, you know, putting all the crew together and everything. And this model actually allows them to not have to do that and still make revenue. And I think yeah. that's the key, you know. Right. So it's a, it's a fan-pleasing model, which is also an artist-pleasing model. And I think it's when you can, when you can match the two together and make a, a perfect marriage without having to, you know, again, go on a major world tour. And, in, and this way it keeps everybody you know, keeps it hot for when they do come back. Or, you know, there's so many different options. And get him, we can actually live stream as well, so we can take an artist in a, in a bigger venue and beam him into a smaller venue and all kinds of stuff. Cool. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'm, a, I'm totally with you on this. I think it's, it's exciting for me to think about seeing a guy like Ronnie James Dio 
be recreated and perform uh, again. There are people, though, who are critical of this. There's a, been a number of blabbermouth headlines with, you know, such and such, let the dead be dead or something. And, and what, how, how do you take that criticism? And, and do you have any response to the critics? You know, I always take it with, uh, you're always going to have your critics, and I don't ever like to address them directly, but I would always say, I do take everyone into mind whenever we do, but I know that what we're doing is from the, it's from the good place in our heart. You know, I know having this family-oriented atmosphere is what we created in Illusion is great. You know, we're working with the best of the best when it comes down to visual standpoint as well as, you know, creative standpoint. Um, you know, our sound and light guys, Paul Dexter and Paul, had had done a lot of the Dio stuff back in the 80s and and, um, and now currently is with Aria Speedwagon, but he's actually, he did our stuff in Germany. And, you know, having people like that as well as, you know, working with Art Media, who's my partner for the technology standpoint, those guys have been great. Uh, Wendy, obviously, Todd Singerman, Kenny Arnoff, um, you know, Scott Ross. I mean, it's, it's Chad Finnerty. This is an incredible list of people right. that we've actually assembled. So, you know, when it comes to critics, you're never going to please everybody. I've learned that you know for years and you know it was going to happen and and um, i'm just happy that the people that do understand it and do get it and actually did see it and really validated what we were doing makes me you know ecstatic because i know that this bar was set very low and i look we set the bar high but what i mean is it's just the beginning for what we're going to do so when people see the show and they come and they actually experience the show for themselves they're going to say holy crap i can't wait to see another one yeah well on that note that's a good uh, ending point there and uh jeff Best of luck to you. Again, iLusion is the company. Is there somewhere online people can go to check out iLusion and see what you're up to? Yeah, so you can go to iLusionLive.com, which is our website. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, we have our YouTube channel, which is iLusion Live. Uh, Twitter, iLusion Live, and, and Facebook as well. So, you know, keep keep tracking us on all the social media aspect. Um, we are going to be extremely active, especially coming uh, 17. And we are looking forward to, you know, the next one we talk about, which is the, the tour itself, right. which we love to talk about. So, and, and some big announcement, you said, in maybe two months or so? Yeah, I would say the, the, the major announcements, there's two that we'll, we'll probably announce early in January, um, maybe, you know, later this year, but I'm assuming January. Right. Okay. Very good. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. That was my interview with Jeff Pizzuti from iIllusion. Big thanks to Jeff for joining me on the podcast. That interview took place in a, a restaurant, a diner in, in New York City, sandwiched right between the Hammerstein Ballroom and the, uh, the famous Madison Square Garden. So great to speak with Jeff and hope to catch up with him again in the future. Great to have the one and only Wang here as my co-host, Wow, uh, what do you want to do, Wang? You want to you want to talk about Kiss? You want to go to some calls from the listeners? Uh, where, where where should we take this? Yeah, man, go for a couple calls. I got some things to say about Kiss, but yeah, go for a couple calls. Why not? Right, right. Okay, here we go. Hey, Mark, this is Jerry from Long Island. Just listened to the show. Hey, Jerry, great, how are you? Great episode. Hey, I was Thanks. referring on Eddie Trunk for him not playing any new music on any of his podcasts for the fear of legal reasons, and that uh, you always seem to play new music and say, fuck it. Yeah. That's what I was referring to. Cool, cool. Uh, anyway, maybe you could play uh, Out of Subconsciousness by Terra Mays. Keep up the good work, dude. 
Thanks, Jerry. And you're you're becoming a regular here on the podcast. I think this is your third call in. Uh, please don't stop. I'll have you on every episode if you keep calling in. Um, Tara Mays, we will get to that song in just a minute. And uh, I don't know if you heard the last uh, episode, Wang, but yeah, I, he, he ended his call saying, uh, and fuck Eddie Trunk or something like that. So uh, I, I think... I, I was kind of defending Eddie Trunk. I was just sharing my my personal opinion about uh, Eddie Trunk. I mean, I know the guy; he's a great guy, and I know he does cause com- some controversy here and there. Uh, thoughts on on uh, Eddie Eddie Trunk Wang? Well, yeah, and back to uh, piggyback on what you're saying. Uh, the last episode you, with the great Victor Ruiz from Spain. Absolutely, I heard that episode uh, six thirty eight. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that, and. Uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry from Long Island. Uh, you know, if he's talking about Eddie Trunk not playing new music. Eddie Trunk doesn't play any music on his podcast. You know what I'm saying? Old right. or new. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I always found it interesting that you do play music, but you always like cut it. So it seems like it, it somehow bypasses all the, the whatever. But uh, and it, uh, it, as far as the band that he made mention to, I'm unaware of them, but I will look into them. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll play some of their music here in a second. But the, um, the, the, the truth is, you know, I, I play music on the podcast. I do try to sometimes talk over the top of it and the, sometimes I'll fade it out a little early. Um, I've become a little more laxed on that through the years and I try to let the songs play out almost in full. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's having, having said that that's completely, that's complete nonsense because any way you slice it, what I'm doing is 100% illegal. You can't play music on a podcast. Um, it's, mm. uh, it's, a, it's unless you have a lawyer who's clearing it. And I, I lose about $200 a month doing talking metal. If I, if I were making, a hundred thousand dollars a month, I would maybe hire somebody to help me clear it, and I'd probably have to pay a, a lot of money to uh, to to legally use the songs. Um, the, I'm not alone, you know. Michael Butler, who does the great rock and roll geek show out of California, uh, California, he plays he plays music out of San Francisco. Actually, your neck of the woods. Uh, oh, wow. A lot a lot of people play music. Joey of the Rock Strikes Ten podcast, which I just love that podcast. He plays music. Adam Curry used to play music on his podcast. I haven't listened in a while. I don't know if he still does. I mean, he'd play like Michael Jackson. Lon Friend plays music. Listen, all these guys. No, no one's. No one's clearing the music. I've had conversations with people at Sony Records who have said, you know, play a little little bit of the new Ozzy. Here, play, play the new, you know, Tom Kiefer in full. You know, I've had people tell me at Metal Blade, play whatever the hell you want off of any of our records. It's yours. You know, I've had people at Century Media tell me the same thing. But it's still not really legal. It's not. I'm not dotting all the I's and crossing the T's, even though I have emails from many people saying play music. You know, when I played <laughs> Iron Maiden on two episodes ago, I didn't have clearance for that. You know, I but I, I, I look at it like I'm promoting the music. Uh, I'm doing my best to tell people to buy it, and I don't want to do a podcast where I don't play music. So if one day. You know, after 11 years and 640 episodes, somebody comes and shuts me down and says, you can't do this anymore unless you stop playing music. 
I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore because I, I do this because I love music. And Eddie Trunk probably makes a little money doing his podcast. It's hard for me to believe that he he would make much. I think it's more of a platform for him. But he does it on Podcast One, which is a big podcasting company. They have they don't want to get sued. They 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 make money, or at least they're trying to make money. I'm not even really trying to make money. Sure, I ask you guys for PayPal donations and to use the Amazon links. And some months, I, you know, out of the 200 bucks I spend, I might make back 40 or 50 bucks. You know, but <laughs> but it's like it's like it's uh, you know. Uh, so I'm not worrying about it. I'm gonna play music like this song right here, the one you requested, Jerry. Caramaze, let's check it out right now on Talking Metal.
as requested by Jerry from Long Island, the new Talking Metal regular, uh, Terra Maze. So good stuff. Thanks for checking in, Jerry. And uh, you ready for another call, Mr. Wang? Oh, I'm absolutely ready. All right, let's do this. Here is the next call coming in from overseas. Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, my name's Ian. I'm phoning from Ian. the West Midlands in England. Hello from over the pond. I'm not sure if you uh, had many international guys phone up your show yet, but... Uh, You're the first. Just listen to your podcast. Um, been only listening to them for seven or eight months. I'm new, but I uh, love the stuff. Um, big rock and metal head over here. Um, love all the interviews that you do. I find you genuinely a, um, a very educated and um, intelligent interviewer. Thank you. There's not much of the sort of cursing and the, the fuck yeahs and all this sort of shit, which is fine, but uh, you seem to get good answers out of all your um, interviews, which is great. Uh, I'm a massive uh, Rage Against Machine fan. Awesome. So I haven't got anything new... Uh, sort of influences to give over to your listeners, but um, I wonder if you could ever get someone like Tom Morello or Zach De La Rocha on the podcast, or Brad Wilk, the drummer, or Timmy C on bass uh, over for an interview, that'd be amazing. Um, I'm also a really big uh, Extreme fan, which I know a lot of like metalheads probably aren't into, but um, a lot of people dismiss them because they're known for their uh, the More Than Words sort of band, but right. I wonder if you could play either a Something like uh, a Rachel Machine tune. Uh, I forget which one it's called now. Um, Fistful of Steel. Okay. Or perhaps uh, Warhead by Extreme, just to show people that Extreme can really uh, muscle up and rock out. Cool. Anyway, I love the podcast. Great stuff. Thanks for uh, keep it going. Keep it rocking from the UK. See you later. Ian, thank you so much for calling in. The first call from overseas. I appreciate that. We will hit a little extreme. Warheads, the song you you requested in just a minute. Uh, Rage Against the Machine. I, I man, I love that band. We recently played played uh, Prophets of Rage on the podcast, which is a, a new thing. I'm sure you've probably heard of. With basically the the Rage Against the Machine band minus Zach. Uh, we played one of their tunes, which is quite good. And were you a big fan of Rage back in the day, Wang? Oh, absolutely. I love Rage Against the Machine. Um, Ian West Midlands, my man. Love it. Yeah, I love Rage Against the Machine. Um, actually, I love uh, the Audio Slave band, actually. I, I actually saw the very last Audio Slave concert, wow. November 19, 2005, in Las Vegas. But yeah, I love Rage. I'm not one of those metal elitists that can't get over the fact that uh, Zach is rapping. You know, they were the originals, so I think they get a, a you know, a, a, a pass. But yeah, it was a big Rage. And if I'm not mistaken, did he ask you to play a song? He did. I, I'm not sure what song that was, though. I, I have oh, okay. queued up. Yeah, I, ha- I queued up the extreme song that he requested, which is yeah, I'm not, not a big extreme fan. But if I can recommend a song to play from Rage Against the Machine, it'd yeah. be People of the Sun off yeah. Evil Empire. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. We'll we'll definitely hit that. Um, awesome. Let's let's uh, you, you know one thing he mentioned during his call uh, was that he's been listening for seven or eight months and. You know, I, I I got into this with Victor on the last podcast. I keep having this vision that, you know, Talking Metal is the, the Mark and John show. And you're, you're a guy who's been listening since practically day one. But I tell you, I get I, 
all the people who are reaching out to me on Twitter, on Facebook, and now with these calls, it, it they're all like, I've been listening, you know, two years, I've been listening three years, this guy seven, eight months. I feel like they don't know the same talking metal that you and and Victor and some of the, the old school guys, you know, knew from the old days. And and I mean, and you're as somebody who's you know you're involved with the show from a distance, Mr. Wang. But you're not you're not here every episode, obviously. But as a listener, what are your thoughts on that? The evolution of Talking Metal. Well, I think the great Victor Ruiz from Spain pretty much nailed my uh, consensus and my uh, synopsis of the whole situation. And that was interesting to find that, yeah, I, I think I beat Victor, uh, being part Victor joined probably, a a year later, but yeah, I joined literally in 2005, right. the team talking metal. Uh, but I think he nailed it. Um, I think it's interesting. And I also think that, um, that it is interesting that, uh, this new, uh, which is awesome because you need new blood, and I think that's what keeping talking metal going on and on and on and on. And the fact that there was a TV show on Fuse and whatnot, diddly dee. Um, I, I could, I understand how people um, could not know about John Astronomy, you know, um, and not know about the path. You know, I, that's what I was all about. You know, that's what I was bred on is that, but yeah, I could see that because let's be honest, he hasn't been part of the show and, forever you know right. your sp sporadic occasions he'd be on there you know blah 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 but as far as the formation everything yes he was there and i'm proud to, to be there uh but yeah um i think ace freely called ace fraley called and john kind of yeah but it was before went away that. it was before that i mean yeah, yeah i yeah, mean he yeah. it, honestly i mean when we look at the 11 year history it's yeah. been for the first five years of this show. He was he was almost an equal me member. I always feel like I pulled a little more than he did, but he was almost an equal member. And when I say that, or equal partner, I should say. I mean behind the scenes stuff, web work stuff. I, I he he. I pay a girl in freaking Alabama to do the web work. Now it's like you know, <laughs> and I love going out to a bar with or without a microphone and hanging out with John. I love, uh, you know, I saw him at the ghost show. We hung out, he, he, you know, he's, he's one of my lifelong friends. H however, I, you know, I do feel like there is some, res you know, resentment on my, my half that, that honestly, I, I, I feel like he's kind of, uh, abandoned the show and he said th this to me in person you know thank god you're still doing it and keeping it alive and and i love you know bringing him back and having him on episodes here and there um and honestly i i i do enjoy having 95 percent of the control of this show at this point which is about the breakdown right now between him him and i it's i'm you know about 95 percent right. of it maybe more i mean he wasn't there yeah. for 13 14 months he didn't do an episode you know at all right. zero he hasn't done an interview in probably four years at this point maybe three years i don't know but yeah so it's 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 interesting that the new people like ian from the uk listen to the show and they it makes me happy in a way that that uh they as proud as i am of our history that that i've been able to bring back the show from a real low point i mean cuz i do feel 
back in 2008. No, not 2008. Probably more like 2000. My second son was born in 2010. I was so overwhelmed with having two kids under the age of two years old trying to make a living that I, John wasn't doing anything on the podcast, even at that point, you know, six years ago, he was pretty much checked out. I, uh, I really let the show go and it was, you know, I was putting up an episode maybe once a month. I think we went like a year without any interviews. It was a real low point and listenership had dropped off. Listenership was at an all time high, obviously when the fuse show was on, but it dropped off in 2010 and, and, it was about in 2011 that I really started to try to turn this around. And for the past five years, the listenership has been slowly coming back to the point where we're almost at, I'm proud to say, almost at the point we were when we were on Fuse. I don't think we'll ever hit that with, when you don't have a national TV show. It's hard to you know, attract the audience that a national TV show brings in but um you know it, or helps bring into a podcast but but we're close to what we were you know and uh it's a good feeling yeah you know and that's funny that you should, you should say that and yeah i remember in uh you're you're describing a period that even i sort of went away for you know for all sorts of other reasons life or whatever but like in the beginning those first five years i mean it was talking metal or death you know what I'm saying? I mean, I was like, Thanks. just, you know, the Guns N' Roses stakeouts, you know, the, you know, <laughs> I mean, I could keep going on and on, but just the bond you and John had. And then when that was broken, you know, and, you know, I had issues with John and we've spoken, you know, but I like Victor was saying the quirkiness of him. I always, you know, I learned to love it and everything. And, and, um, I'm really happy that it has rebounded and, for no other reason that your dedication, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You didn't let something die. I mean, you could have easily, cause you know, podcasts come I mean, like for instance, there's a podcast that I'm on all the time, the rock and metal combat podcast. That is the dedication of the fans on that fucking show. is just, I mean, crazy. I mean, crazy. Sure. It's not Eddie trunk. Sure. It's not talking metal. But the dedication, and because it's not on a lot of platforms, it doesn't have the dedication. But the, I mean, the the exposure, but the dedication. And I can remember a period of time where the dedication, and everything was the same as what you know it is now. And you're bringing it back, and I think that's great. You could have easily just you know folded your hands and said enough. But you know what? You built something, so. You know, hey, everything goes in ebb and flows. Things go up, things go down. And the fact that, you know, come on, let's get real. Rob Halford, Ace Fraley, you know, we can name all these stars. You name every star, and I'm not kissing ass, okay? But you name every star in the metal horizon. They've all been on Talking Metal. Everybody, okay? Except I can't. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. And I'm surprised you never got them on the fuse. But anyways, with the exception of Metallica, but... Uh, the larger point is, yeah, there's a foundation there, and I get the new fans that are coming on. I'm really happy for it, and cheers to you, you know, because it could have easily died. And uh, I think you're rebuilding it, and I'm proud to be part of the rebuilding. I yeah, well, I, I want to be on the show as many as often as possible, man. I love it, and um, yeah, right on. Awesome, cool. Well, let's kind of change gears here and talk about Kiss. And I oh tell boy, you, oh yeah, boy! Yeah. 
I, I feel like I was literally being attacked by people who claim to be insiders saying that I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and now I just have to say, Kiss has announced tour dates in 2017. If somebody told me the, the reunion with Ace is happening in November of 2016. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. And now the tour dates for 2017 are being announced and no ace, guys. There was no credible evidence for this. This reminds me of like these like, you know, crazy political people who want to believe stuff that that isn't true on both sides of the political aisle. You see that. It's just if you want to believe that, you know, Sarah Palin said something <laughs> or Obama wasn't born in the U.S., if you want to believe it. No matter what evidence there is to prove that that's wrong and, and that, you know, Sarah Palin never said, I saw Alaska from from my my porch. But people believe that she said that she never said that you can you can go online and research it. But but if you want to believe it, you will believe it. You know, same thing with all the stuff they say about Obama. If you want to believe it, you will believe it. And and here in here. People wanted to believe so bad that Ace was joining KISS, although there was no credible evidence. There was nothing pointing to that, that I, I was getting torn a new asshole by people. And all I can say is it's not happening, guys. I told you so. And KISS is going on tour with Eric and Tommy in 2017. End of story. My predictions for KISS is at some point they will do a farewell tour, most likely without Ace. And they will try to cash in on a farewell tour, just like all these other bands have done with, you know, we saw Sabbath do it. We, we've seen, you know, Motley Crue do it. And, uh, you know, I, I think Ace will will never again play in Kiss. I could be wrong about that. That's speculation. But I told you Ace was not rejoining Kiss. What Ace has said publicly is what I've heard the ball's in their court. Ace has told Paul that and Gene that he's ready to rejoin. He's ready to work with them again. So I don't know. Were you a believer that he was going to end up back in Kiss in 2017, Wang? Um, oh, God, I don't want to be two-fished here. Was I a believer that it would happen? No, not necessarily. Did I think because Gene and Paul are obsessed with money. Did I think it was a possibility? Sure. Um, was I rooting it on? No. I've seen Ace with Kiss over 20 times. Um, I wanted it to happen for my woman, Mrs. Wayne, Jean Elizabeth. Sure. Because, she, yeah, because she's so into it. And I, like I told her, um, would, I, would I be excited if it happened? Absolutely. But I just, I don't know, man. Uh, I never, I never was online saying it's going to happen. Like all those people that are saying that they were directing all their predictions to you, Mr. Mark Striegel, Mr. You know, talking metal. Um, but no, I didn't think it was going to, but the thing I have to say about the kiss situation, the current kiss situation, I was told, you know, just like you were told by a lot of people, Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, I was told that this kiss cruise that's based on the creatures of the night tour, the recreation of the uh, uh, creatures of the night tour was only going to be a one-time deal. You know, looking at Tony right. Thayer dressed up as Ace in the elder costume with the, with the promos of the, uh, with the 
the creatures era. That was it. Now all of a sudden I hear, oh no, like you just said, they're going to do this European tour. They did the Mexico thing and they're all going to be like hip, hip, hooray. They're going to dress up um, Eric Singer in Eric Carr's costume, but Peter Chris's makeup. We're going to put Tony Thayer um, in Ace's elder uh, creatures costume. Uh, My thing is, that's there's that's there's nothing. Where the hell is Vinny Vincent? Where the hell is the Eric Carr? Wait, so so is this true? They're they're gonna put they're gonna put Eric. This doesn't make any sense. They're gonna put Eric Singer in Peter Chris face makeup, but they're gonna have him wear the Fox Eric Carr outfit. Mark, is, it just happened. It just happened really? on the yeah yeah dude. I swear it just happened on the Kiss cruise and a Mexico metal fest. And uh, the, 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 the general consensus was it was on a one-time deal. It was only on the Kiss Cruise. Don't trip, Bill Wang. Don't get crazy. And all of a sudden, bam! Now all of a sudden we get a, 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 a press release with, from Scab Kiss saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be touring Europe with the Creek. Yeah, and I kid you not, Eric wow. Singer is in, I mean, in the best way they can possibly do it. And... Um, in Eric Carr's costume, but with Peter Chris's makeup. It's like... That makes no I mean, sense. It's, it's, no, well, first of all, I saw the Creatures of the Night Tour, okay? Right. And um, it's it's just a terrible represent, representation of that Creatures tour. And I don't get all the scab apologists saying, well, they can't change the makeup. Dude, you put makeup on Eric Singer and Tony Thayer... With Ace and why not? Are you saying Tony Thayer? Yeah, you heard me correct. Tony <laughs> Thayer. Um, okay. you, you cannot do it. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, have some. I mean, if you're really going to be doing things, you know, I mean, come on. If you're going to recreate the Creatures of the Night tour, how on God's green earth are you going to put Ace or Tony Thayer in Ace's that costume from the Elder, you know? So, yeah, the, I, I'm disgusted. I'm right. disgusted. But I'm just obviously my blood. I'm I'm getting really upset right now, and uh, I think and, and what's more disrespectful, which is more disrespectful, is to see Eric Singer in Eric Carr's literal, at least facsimile of that creature's costume that I saw live April third, nineteen eighty three, San Francisco Pacific. Motley Crue opened up, but with Peter Chris's makeup, it's like, dude, he was gone. Year, two years prior. So what? I mean, what? Uh, what Eric Carr outfit is it? The 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 one that he first wore, like on Kids Are People Two, with the red jacket and the fox no, 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 fur. No, that was un, no, that was unmasked. Um, the best representation that I could recommend, if you go to Kiss 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 Metal Hard Rock, go. Uh, but anyways, um, it's um, Kiss Night Flight. I believe January thirteenth, nineteen eighty three. If you put in Kiss Night Flight. Right, 83, right. and you'll see exactly what they based that costume on. But my thing is, you know... Eric Carr was not, supposed to be a fox, but Peter Chris is the cat, so I don't... It's like some kind yeah, of right, weird right. You know, fox-cat exactly. hybrid just, or something. I think it's disrespectful. I mean, I always oh, say totally. Vinny saved Kiss. Well, Eric, Eric Carr did his plenty of saving Kiss, and I think by putting Peter Chris's makeup on that guy with Eric Carr's costume... Confusing in a total clusterfuck, and it pisses me off. And 
yeah. Uh, oh man, I'm just so upset just thinking about the thing. You know, it's just a horrible choice. You know, are they the like on these two the Kiss Cruise and the Mexico thing or whatever it was? Did they pull heavily from that era for the set list? Um, that's a great question. And no, actually, they did. Um, they oh god, what? No, actually, they didn't even. No, they didn't. So um, it was just. They, some, no, uh, makes zero they, no, sense. They did. Yeah, they actually played a, a Paul Stanley solo, a '78 solo album song. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, I think, you know, I mean, if they stuck by the book and did exactly, you know, the exact um, songs that the Creatures of the Night were, because Creatures of the Night was different. They started out, they did Killer, you know, the, and then it changed up. But no, they they didn't go verbatim and. If you're really going to be a facsimile of a specific era, a specific uh, tour, I mean, come on. So, right. yeah. But yeah, check it out. You'll you'll go crazy. Okay, I definitely will. I definitely will. <laughs> oh, man. So, I, no. so, again, let's kind of recap your uh, social media. It's the Kiss, Kiss, Kiss page, right? And what, what goes on on this Facebook page for Kiss, Kiss, Kiss? Discussion, what? debate? discussion debate um people from all over the world thousands and thousands of people do stuff and obviously i'm the lead you know i i say something and then you know it gets discussions going you get there's a few scab apologists that i lit on the page and i let them be the villains of the page as it were um and then you know basically all the haters um, come on and rip them and stuff. But yeah, generally speaking, it's, uh, I, I consider 50% kiss, 50% not kiss. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it, it's pretty crazy. And I, I've got all sorts of great, um, you know, I think the last time since I've been on your show, I've gained 20,000 or 20,000, 2000 followers. So it's not nice. exactly huge, but it's more than a lot of these podcasts pages that have groups you know and, and and there's a lot of traffic and i love it and uh so it's a group or because I, I i i've tried to figure out how to start a group i'm not real facebook savvy but um because i have a page for talking metal which i do like i, I know you with i see it but I see it. Um, I, but I how, it. how do you start a group oh man i, I and what's the difference you have to join a group right uh yeah you have to join a group and if you join a group, you if the the person that invented the group doesn't like you, you're out out of the gate. You're gone, right? Okay. But if you have a page like my beautiful Mrs. Wang has, the Ace Freely Army with uh, almost six thousand likes, um, wow. it's different because, like for instance, the that one podcast that I hate, and I'm not going to even say the word, the you know three something like that. That's a oh. page, so. They basically determine who comments on there or whatever. But anybody can see that. But if you have a group, you could ban that person. They can't see anything. Oh, so I that's see. what I got. Yeah, that's what I got as a group. And it's, um, yeah, which uh, you're a part of. Right, and, yes, and, definitely. And John Astronomy is part of, even though he never likes anything but or whatever. But he's with Ace Fraley. And, uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, speaking of John Astronomy, I love, uh, there was a podcast, I don't know how long ago, was uh, when you, you all were talking about Bill Wang. 
And he went on, and this is probably one of the last that he was on, were on a consistent basis. And he loved my name, Wang. Right. And he went on and on. And on. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, big ups to John Astronomy. You know, we're all ripping him because he bailed on Talking Metal. But you know what? He's the man still. Uh-huh. So yeah, like anyway. like I said, for a while I was pissed about that, but I've kind of like now, honestly, I'm just loving it. I, I'm loving having people like Bill Wang and Victor and my wife Emily has done a bunch of interviews and done a great job, and and it's kind of kind of opened it up. There's like a revolving uh, co-host. Uh, type thing happening here and i'm having a lot of fun i love doing just solo episodes i love playing music for you guys and that's what it's all about for me right now it's just about having fun for for so long i was like well we got to try to make money with this we got to try to go to the next level and it's just like now i'm just like fuck it all man i'm just gonna have fun doing this and and this is probably after 11 years the the most enjoyable i mean i have to admit those first three years were really enjoyable. I, John and I had so much fun doing that. But oh, but yeah. since 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 then, since the Fuse show, really, this is the 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 last two years here is the most enjoyable uh, talking metal has been for me throughout our eleven year career, and that's that's no joke. Um, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, it's uh, and hey, so just fun. to piggyback on uh, what Vic was saying um, about your wife was. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit suspicious, um, but fantastic. I mean, she's been really, really fantastic. And I love that you, that when I called in that one time and she's all, and you said, do you remember Bill Wang? She said, oh yeah, I remember Bill Wang. <laughs> I love it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, you, really- bet. you bet. Yeah. If you haven't heard guys, you did a great interview with Mark from, uh, from the bullet boys, which, uh, not many people have, everyone keeps talking about the Jeff Tate interview and stuff, but the Mark from the bullet boys interview is, is excellent. So I forget what episode it was probably, I don't know, nine, 10 episodes ago, uh, go back and listen. Yeah, It was fantastic. Coming from somebody from the past that's kind of irrelevant now, but was platinum album back in the day. Yeah. 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 Mrs. Striegel did fantastic. Big up to her. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess let's see We're we're, at about an hour here, I like to keep these to to about an hour. We're actually over. Well, we're, we're actually well over an hour. We're probably about an hour tw- twenty right now. So let's. Uh, I guess we should probably wrap things up, and we should uh, definitely invite you guys to call into the show, like the listeners did today. Stand by. Let me give you that number. It's nine seven three seven five seven one nine one seven. That's the number, guys. Call in. Uh, I enjoy getting the calls, and it's picked up a little bit. Um, I know I was initially giving out the wrong number, which I think uh, prevented uh, many people from uh, actually reaching our voicemail. But this is the actual number, 973-757-1917. Call in. Tell me to fuck off. Tell tell me you to play a song. Tell me anything you want. You will get played on the show, I promise. 973 757 one nine one seven. Leave me your voicemail, Wang. <laughs> Wang, it's been such an honor having you as part of the Talking Metal team for all these years, going way back to the Talking Metal forums. Remember those run by Z-Man and Exciter. Exciter. His name was John Casamano, Kaz- and I, I still occasionally hear from Z-Man on uh, on on Facebook, but. 
Shotaholic and and uh, John Casimano. I've no, I haven't heard from those guys in in four, five, six years. Crazy, crazy. The yeah. family turns over. It it grows. It evolves, and many people drop off, but Mr. Wang still here after all these years. You're goddamn right, brother. Talking metal. I was there in 2005. Um, and I'm going to be there forever and I'm really proud to be part of the family. I've been on numerous episodes as Bill Wang and I've been on many more episodes as another person, but I don't want to get into that right now. Your former life. Yeah. My former life. So yeah, I've been on the show many, many times and I'm honored to be part of the family. And I am saying, let's go for 700, 800, 900, 1000. Talking metal, brother. Bam. And to take us out, finally, the song requested by Ian. This is Warheads by Extreme. Talk to you next time.